1: So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. We've had a fun week, have we not? Oh, yeah. We've been been doing our job. We talked You know, a nice variety of topics this week talked about how animals are showing us how to live forever on Monday. On Wednesday, it was just kind of a grab bag of amazing developments. And tonight, we talk about what may be my favorite emerging topic, and that is this hard problem of reality. And I've called this show Reality and Now the Bad News, although these aren't necessarily all bad.
0: This first story, I think, has a cool side. Reddit users outperformed Disney with AI-generated Princess Leia so you're familiar, I'm sure Phil uh, you got kids uh you took your kids to see uh Rogue one the star Wars, Star Wars story rogue one well, I've seen and it. Uh, anyway yes yeah, okay at the <laughs> end of that movie, they tie it into a new hope because you see Princess Leia heading off with the plans in the ship that you see it's sorry the spoilers everyone spoilers
1: hope. spoilers yeah.
0: I I figure that every, uh, you know,
1: the fanboy... Involved. But you know what? Hey, hey, the plot of Rogue One is trying to steal the plans. Guys, if you've seen A New Hope, you know they have the plans. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So it's more in the journey than yeah, in exactly. the uh, outcome. It's it's a little bit like uh, going to the movie Titanic and being upset that uh, you knew in advance what, what was going to happen. <laughs> that's the that's right. So you see Princess Leia at the end, and uh, there was, I think, a fair amount of criticism about how Princess Leia look at the end of that movie she didn't come across it was obviously a cg trick to yes. put uh, to have a young carrie fisher in the princess leia role at the very end what they did and i i talked with my son matthew who's very into these things mm-hmm. said, how did they do that and how did this new reddit user do his thing to make something that was comparable of completely different methods matthew pointed out that what they did in rogue one was they had a a young actress who served as the stand-in, uh, right. dressed her up as Princess Leia and everything, and uh, then they modeled on top of her face Carrie Fisher's face, and they built a 3D model of Carrie Fisher's face, and they did it, basically brute-forced it. Right. What, what this Reddit user did, it spent about 20 minutes with a neural net, and basically with a bunch of different images of Carrie Fisher from different angles, The neural algorithm built a a model of what Carrie Fisher would look like and put up a very comparable image of what Carrie Fisher would have looked like in that movie uh, when she says it represents hope or whatever, when when she says her one line. So the question is, a lot of people are saying, well, the Reddit user did better. No, I don't think so. I I think that what we saw in Rogue One, even though it was bad, it was better than what the Reddit user did. But let's give him credit. The Reddit, Reddit user did something that was
1: comparable in 20 minutes. You know, uh, using freeware, okay, yeah, on one freeware. computer, not with a team of yeah. people working for weeks. Yeah, in it, his
0: right? house, he could have been in his basement in pajamas, right? And of course, it would be a better than average computer. He, to, in order to do this properly, you have to have like a high-end NVIDIA video card, things like that.
1: But yeah, it's free software. It took twenty minutes, and yeah, I think different. I think whether whether he did a better job or not is really beside the point. The point is, it's almost the same that you could just about slot that scene in. They could have slotted what he did in and the movie would have been pretty much the same, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how far we've come in our ability to anybody who wants to basically put any human being into any situation in video that they want to. That's that's kind of that's yeah. kinda where we are with this. Well and, and you, you should, know of course
0: the the downside, Bill, is that
1: this this Reddit group was launched
0: when they started putting female celebrities into porn videos. That's, that's right. What that's,
1: that, that's what that's this what application was in, was invented to do. That's what it that's what it enables. Yeah. And here, a a, a a man after our own heart, here, a true geek, did something useful with it. Right. He he you right. Know, worked on a Star Wars scene. That's that's a much uh, that is a much better application from the standpoint of the the rest of humanity. But there but there's a downside there too. And that is the whole yep. putting actors in movies that they never said they wanted to be in. You know, people talk about these few seconds of Carrie Fisher, but what if, what about what they did to Peter Cushing in uh, Rogue One? Right? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean he, he was—he's got a supporting he, he, role in a movie, and he died 25 years ago, right? I mean, it's, well, it's, and it's, you know
0: what? And the only reason they were able to do that is because Peter Cushing, in a movie prior to just prior to Star Wars, had a bust made of himself. Uh, mm-hmm. for a, for another movie that was just prior to Star Wars. So they had this 3D bust right. of of Peter Cushing that they used as their model in Rogue One. And had they not had that, they apparently wouldn't have been able to do it for Rogue One. He couldn't have been a supporting character. But... Now, basically, there's no need for there to be a 3D bust for for anybody anymore. You, the, right. These guys, this Reddit group, could produce the Peter Cushing stuff just based on images, lots and lots of images. The more images you have of of somebody, the better, the better model you can produce. But uh, you don't you don't need to have a 3D bust having been made, and that that was just
1: sort of a happy accident
0: for Peter right.
1: Cushing. Now now you don't need that. And so, now you don't need it. Now basically, where, where we are maybe a year or two out from, or even if it's five years out, basically you can at any time see any human being put in any situation and really have no good way of knowing whether you're actually seeing something that happened or not. So what does that mean for like somebody
0: produces video of you saying or doing something that you never did? to bring criminal charges against
1: you or something. We're entering a brave new world that's pretty scary in some ways. Because on the one hand, yes, all kinds of evidence can be introduced that would, that, that would incriminate you. On the other hand, if there really is incriminating evidence, there will now be this defense that, oh, that's probably just a made-up digital video thing. Right? I mean, so, so both, <laughs> right. both of those things are going to be in play, and reality, which is hard enough to discern, becomes that much harder. OK, that's the that's the bad news on reality. There was a time when, although it could be faked, photographic evidence meant something. Having something on video or having something on film or recording some audio, it, it it told you something about what was happening. And you had to go to a lot of trouble to fake something. And there was no way to fake something like this. Right. I mean, you'd have to get a double or something. I mean, you really have to go to a lot of trouble to do a false video of a person doing something. And now this is at the fingertips, right, <laughs> that you can produce that kind of evidence. I think it generates all kinds of issues around false positives appearing, and, and then it also helps to discredit anything that is real from happening. It, right. does, it does both of those at the same time. And if you, And if you think that I'm overreacting, if you think that I'm giving too much credit for how easily people can be fooled. I will give you this next story. I made my shed the number one restaurant on TripAdvisor. Have you watched this video, Stephen? I have not. Oh. You're going to you're gonna have to bring it you up You've got today. to watch. This is absolutely hilarious, for one thing. And it's it's the age we live in, okay? Basically, this young guy in London, he has – I don't know what his actual job is, but among other things in his life, he has written – reviews, restaurant reviews for social media, and it made him money, and the idea kind of got in his head. It was like, well, you know what? I could just make the whole thing up. I didn't really go to this restaurant. I just made up a review, and I got paid for it, and now everybody everybody likes this restaurant. Everybody's reading the review, and they're, they're all excited about it, and he said, it, it felt to me like you could make up everything except for the restaurant. That's the one thing you could never fake, and then one day, I had this thought, oh, maybe you could fake that, too, and so... <laughs> He invents this restaurant. It's called The Shed at Dulwich. And basically, it's the shed in his backyard. And gosh, he, he and his friends start writing reviews on TripAdvisor for this thing. And they start building up its reputation. And he starts out, the first day they put up a review, the first day they get it registered on TripAdvisor. He has to do all these things like he finds a... Payphone, which becomes his phone number for the restaurant, so that there's a fixed landline phone. Apparently, that's one of the things you have to have to get registered on TripAdvisor in London. Which then he forwards that payphone number to his to his phone, so so that people can people can call. And they they start they start writing reviews, and they just all kinds of little touches. He's doing photographs, he's making fake food photos, and and all this kind of stuff. His friends are all writing reviews about it, it starts out, it's the 18,000th ranked restaurant in London, the very bottom. And you watch over progress uh, of about seven months, how it rises, suddenly it's the 5,000th most popular restaurant, and then suddenly the highest ranked, and then suddenly it's the 2,000th, and then it's in the top 500, and then it's in the top 20, right? And then one day... It's the number one ranked restaurant. There's all this buzz talking, showing people on the news talking about this restaurant. And, of course, everybody who calls, you know, he takes the call, and he's always, I'm sorry, we're fully booked. Uh, No, we're booked. You know, so everyone who tries to come to it. I wonder if anybody
0: actually shows up at his his shed. Because, I mean, Well, you know what? He gives. I'm
1: not sure how he works that, but he he manages not to give an address. It's an appointment-only restaurant and somehow he he manages to avoid that and it's unclear to me how he does it because you would think that's exactly what would happen that that somebody would yeah. somebody would just show up so finally not to spoil the whole video but before going public and saying hey this was this was all a joke he decides to have one night where they they open the restaurant right and he actually has people come to his backyard and eat in his backyard and six people come he he does he does a thing where he says it's press night or something like that so he doesn't charge anyone any money because that would be fraud right as if this right, whole thing right. wasn't but <laughs> but but the, but the video ends with him observing that out of the six parties there four of them tried to rebook okay so that's and, hilarious and that is they're hilarious. eating like canned soup in his backyard okay <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> uh, I love it. I
0: am going to have to watch this video. This is yeah, you
1: awesome. you you need to watch that because that the analogy is the emperor's new clothes, right? That well, this this appeal has to appeal to
0: uh, the marketer in you, Bill. Um,
1: Absolutely, and, uh, it does. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I, and, and also it scares this. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at the same I, I can time. tell you this,
0: that it made a huge difference in our own business when we hired somebody that part of what they do for us is they're out on the Internet and monitoring reputation and, and trying to bolster reputation, things like that. It's remarkable, and every business has to do that now. So if it even works for a fake business, real businesses are really trying to do a good job. They have to watch for it, too, and have to, have to participate in this
1: game as well right you know, well, so, the thing is, if, right. if he had actually been building it and had launched a real restaurant that night, that he did that press night, he'd have like right. one of the most successful restaurants in London right now. And and it comes down to if you're if you're selling the best food and the best ambiance in London and you have no social media reputation, you're going to go out of business, right? Right. But Not in this if, world, you will. Yeah. It, yeah. If you've got the top rating. And no restaurant at all. It's very interesting and very telling of the age we live in. Don't be so sure you know what's real because I'm telling you, that law firm you're reading all these great things about in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, I just, I don't know. <laughs>
0: they're awesome, I'm telling you. <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs>
1: be careful what you read, folks. That's,
0: that's oh, all gosh. I'm saying.
1: <laughs> it has a more sinister side, too. This is this next story, British, uh, both these stories come from the U.K., interestingly. British 15-year-old gained access to intelligence operations in Afghanistan and Iran by pretending to be the head of the CIA. Now, this seems like more standard identity theft, hacking kind of a story. But what's interesting to me about this, this resonates with the story we talked about a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, about the, the girl who had become a sports writer and adopted this whole new persona of being this guy. And it was a very, very interesting story about how you can create this, this online persona. Well, she created a whole new person. This guy became somebody else, right? And he, he, right. he became the head of the CIA. And if, if you can just be a kid – in the UK, and achieve that—that that is really frightening. He didn't do this by penetrating the, the wall. He
0: did this by g- gathering enough information that he passed muster at different levels, and so he could gain more information to pass muster at a different—you know—and and to come across as real to people that he's communicating with. Apparently, he never picked up the phone and talked to anybody because his young voice would have given him away. Right? He, he was emailing or whatever. And, uh, and the fact that he knew enough to come across as as believable for a certain position allowed him to continue to kind of move up the food chain until he's quote the head of the CIA. He didn't uh, do it by hacking in; he did it by completely social means. Yeah, and, uh, social so engineering. It, it, you got to train your, you got to train your people. In other words, right? Whether you're the CIA or or a private enterprise or whatever, you have to train your people to watch for things like that.
1: Yeah, the phrase he used is social engineering, and it's this right. exactly what you said, this leveraging of a little bit of information to get a little more, and then using that yeah. to get a little more, and kind of moving your way up who you are credible with. And if you look, if you swing it back to the TripAdvisor story, the, <laughs> making your, you know, your backyard, making your shed in your backyard the number one restaurant on TripAdvisor, same kind of thing. There's social engineering going on there, where you're building this reputation incrementally over time, and achieving right. this in, in the one case, kind of entertaining, and it teaches us a lesson in the other case, just downright scary right if you can If, if you can make yourself the head of the CIA I mean obviously, once you 've established that identity, your, your ability to manipulate events in the real world is there's some really frightening potential there. My thought is the CIA needs to recruit this guy now <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, they do yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, and typically they do right? Does somebody uh, somebody pulls something like this off. They say, well, we, we've got an awful lot to learn about that. But You get to go to Juvie Hall for a
0: little while, but we're going we're gonna to
1: recruit you straight out of Juvie Hall to uh, to work for us. Yeah, because I think social can... engineering is probably one of the tactics that the CIA is Oh, itself. yeah. They got, they've got to use that tactic. That's part of yeah. what they do. So,
0: obviously, this kid is pretty good at it. Okay, so the, the last story before we geek out tonight, Phil, is mag- is about magic mushrooms.
1: So yeah. Here you go. Okay. We'll so, ahead. so we we know that we're being we're being tricked by video images, and we're we're being social engineered left and right. But deep down, at least we know what we think and how we feel is for real. And this is this is just a great story. Magic mushrooms may alter how you feel about nature and politics. Basically, they're talking about how patients who have received magic mushroom treatment for depression, they're feeling more connected with nature. And they experienced this shift away from authoritarian political views okay a cu- a couple couple things about that just going into it right off the bat i 'm going to say this is this is the kind of research where they find exactly what they 're looking for Sometimes, potentially yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah you know that that whoever whoever thought this up was i think inclined to believe that this effect would happen, okay, so grain yeah. of salt there, and also i 'm guessing that anyone who has participated in you know research where they're receiving magic mushrooms for depression anyone who agreed to that course of treatment was not all that big into authoritarian political views to begin with <laughs> <laughs> to begin with <laughs> exactly yeah, you know let's just gonna, call it I'm a hunch go out on a limb and, and yeah agree but with you, you know. I, I know so, it so, helps
0: when uh, we don't
1: completely agree all the time, and
0: we can we can we can banner off of each other. But you know, I, I gotta I gotta join you in that. That's probably yeah. A
1: so so huge, you know, huge grain of salt there, and and the, and the third big grain of salt everyone's gonna take is well, I'm not taking magic mushrooms, so I have nothing to worry about here. But but if you read the story, what it all comes down to is we can be manipulated not only by the images we see and by the social structures that that we encounter and by people communicating with us and messing with us what this comes down to is the chemicals in our body are also impacting the reality that we live in and we don't think about it it's, it's not just magic mushrooms right it's your gut bacteria right it's, it's yeah. potentially it's the antihistamine you took right that <laughs> it, however you experience reality you know yeah I mean, that, it's, that, it's the that, fiber that, you're getting special. in your diet that yeah. the, yeah. that ultimately so much of what goes on in your body is this chemical reaction, and so you think you're processing the world around you, and you're coming to rational conclusions about things and It turns out well maybe but but maybe if you cut sugar out of your diet, you would actually look at this stuff very differently right there. you would have made there, a different decision here yeah yeah there there, yeah, there are I, chemical I, chemical drivers to a lot of this stuff and I think that's the part that that we don't like to. I mean, it's interesting to see it happening in other people, but we don't like to think it's something that goes on with us. And I think, you know what? It's something that goes on with all of us. That's...
0: This uh, reminds me of the, uh, the study that was done recently regarding hallucinogens, and that's what a magic mushroom is. It's a type of hallucinogenic drug, okay? Yeah. The use of LSD for end-of-life patients, pe- people that have terminal illness, they found that uh, the fear of death is uh, greatly alleviated by one session with LSD.
1: Right, And uh, right. They, some, they come to this new about, kind of spiritual view of their, of their yeah, life. Yeah, right. it
0: gives you some sort of spiritual experience where you feel at one with the universe or whatever, and, and you feel like, well, you know, I are the universe, uh, which, you know, it's not so separate anymore. I will continue uh, after my death. And so it, uh, it alleviates fear. But, you know, it's, we also have anecdotal evidence uh, that uh, it's very important for particular individuals like Steve Jobs. Right. Steve Jobs often spoke about how it changed his world view, uh, having, having taken LSD um, a, as a college kid. On a couple of occasions, he asked college kids, hey, any of you guys drop acid? And he would be genuinely disappointed when no
1: one raised their
0: hand. You know, uh, <laughs> That's <"Hey."> true. <laughs> kids these days,
1: jeez, yeah. Yeah, kids yeah. these days are
0: not dropping yeah. acid like they did in my day. Yeah, obviously, there's something about hallucinogens. You know, you may have not gone anywhere and done anything. You just sat there while you were tripping, but something about what happens to you then is a formative experience, for better or worse. I'm I'm not surprised by this, but I I believe also with you Phil that uh, the the whoever did the study probably had some preconceived uh, ideas, and yeah, probably I, their if- idea of what authoritative uh, authoritarian was. Probably only one political party is capable of being authoritarian, in the, in the opinion of these researchers. I'm just guessing.
1: Yeah, whatever their biases, I yeah, feel like there's probably, there's, a, probably a something real here. I and mean, what's real here is that our view of reality has a chemical basis, in addition to everything else. You know, it's not just <laughs> yeah. chemicals, uh, but there's <laughs> there's chemistry going on there. So, so even if you think you're being real careful about what videos you watch and you're not being manipulated on social media and all the rest of it. Chemistry itself can make a can make a huge difference in how you see reality. So this is True. You know, this is an ongoing discussion we're having about reality. I, I feel like we're we're sort of entering a, an age of post reality or flexible or variable reality or something like that. And we're only becoming aware of it. Technologies are enabling us to experience reality differently with augmented reality and, and, and virtual reality. So I, I think it's it's an important subject to keep to keep checking in on. And and I did this one as the bad news just because these were the stories that popped up right these were the stories that that all had to do one way or another with people kind of being tricked or fooled or otherwise against maybe their will having their reality altered for them and i think that's that's the point about the bad news about reality and it's something that we're going to have to keep tracking we're going to have to keep a close eye on and this is i guess you know, Stephen, if if you look at we, we talked a couple weeks ago about how most of our shows are just us saying, "See, we were right about this. See, we were right about this." This is the one kind of future thing that I won't say it's original to this show, but it's something that we have distinctly been talking about and thinking about. And I think it's probably something this will be the one we'll be doing I told you shows about 5 years from now, right? When uh, <laughs> when when we when we see additional headlines showing that that people are really experiencing reality in a in a completely different way. So, there I laid a marker down. And we can say, remember Phil back in 2018 said we were going to be seeing more of this kind of stuff. So there it is. And on that not-too-happy note, why don't we geek out a little bit? Let's geek out just a little
0: bit. So – I'm going to give uh, minor spoilers, very minor spoilers for the novel Origin. This is a new Dan Brown novel. You, uh, you may recall uh, what what's the novel he's most he's the most Da Vinci Code, for? right? Yeah, Da Vinci Code. That's right. Yeah. the character in da, in da Vinci Code has had a lot of adventures, and uh, he's back again in Origin. And uh, so, minor spoiler here. If you don't want to, you don't want a uh, even the, even a mild spoiler. Uh, you might want to move on from this discussion. But here it is. There is a character in this novel that is a completely AI character. So initially, in the opening chapters of, of the book, our main character, and, and we as reader, are not uh, uh, really aware of it, and it's revealed real quick. So that's why I'm saying this is a mild spore. It's right. revealed rather quickly that this person that's talking in into... Uh, the ear of our protagonist. He's named Winston, and that's actually an acronym. And he is um, a completely realized character, which is what I found interesting and and compelling. He's not Siri on steroids. He is something, he is a person, as it would seem, uh, as written by our author here. So here's the thing. This could either be a a praise for Dan Brown, that he got it so right that that our ai personal assistance will be as 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 fully realized as any human companion he gets it early in this novel right it could that could be praise or it could be or that could be a criticism that he's anthropomorphizing these systems that'll never be this way or at least won't be for for the foreseeable future and uh, what do you think phil do you do we get you know a fully realized person that helps us and keeping in mind this is this is the personal assistant of, let's say, I don't know, uh, Bill Gates. Or this is the right, this is the right. uh, this is the state of the art in the world. This is the the best personal assistant in the world.
1: Do we? Well, see, this you know, is the perfect geek out for this show. Okay, because yeah, what I believe yeah. we get is we get the experience of a fully realized person. Um, Fairly soon,
0: whether or not there's a fully realized person. Yeah,
1: there. without necessarily there being a fully realized person there, the reality of a fully realized person, I don't know. I don't know when that happens, but yeah, we will have the subjective experience of that probably in the next five ten years. I'm guessing that that yeah. it will be. And, totally and if uh, if we're, we're
0: talking about the the world class system right now, it probably would surprise both of us, even even as plugged in as we try to be. How how good it would be if we're talking world class personal assistant even right now, right? Uh, right. The, one, the the personal assistant for uh, Facebook founders or
1: Google, the the best of the best, it, it would it how close would it get? I think it would get pretty close. I, th- I think it might, close. and and definitely a few years down the road, it it will be harder and harder to tell the difference. So there's a it's a, that that is a great false reality kind of note on which in this not only videos that look like people but. People we're interacting interacting with on a daily basis that that seem not like, people at all. And, this, and you know yeah. what? This is not out of line for Dan Brown at all. If you've read his books, he's basically a science fiction writer. He, you know, he got really right. interested in conspiracy theories and he wrote the Da Vinci Code. But even that book has all kinds of like references to nanotechnology and artificial intelligence and virtual reality. He he can't help himself. He's always writing about these things and talking about these things. So I think it's 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 not his, it's his not out of line at an all. interesting...
0: Yeah, his books are always an interesting mixture of of science fiction and some sort of ancient conspiracy. It seems yeah. like he's always uh, he's always pushing the, that mixture, and it's and it usually makes for a good book. And yeah, uh, well, and in so fact, I, I, he's written
1: a few like techno thrillers that don't have any of the ancient stuff in them at all, but they went nowhere, right? So I'm, I imagine his agents yeah. are telling his agent is telling him, "This is great, Dan, but can we work in a? Can you get the Holy Grail into this somehow? If uh, if, you, if you if you just if you can make that so happen, somehow the ley lines uh, for the pyramids, uh, we we need to do something." You know? Yeah, I think he was he was going to be kind of a lesser, kind of a Michael Crichton wannabe, until he discovered the. Holy Grail conspiracy theory, and that totally changed his writing career and and who we think of of Dan Brown as being. But that's cool. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. I'm
0: listening to it by Audible still. So yeah, just, okay. Uh, per, as a personal note, uh, that's how I'm experiencing uh, this this novel. And uh, it's it's not laziness. It's just me finding time right uh, uh, on the daily commute and things like that to to, to experience a novel. So
1: there you right. go. I do, I do recommend. It's an interesting novel. All right, we'll check, we'll check that out, and we'll keep our eyes open for what may not be as real an, an experience as we think we're having. That's my takeaway from today's show. Reality, the bad news is you just don't know what's real. But one thing that is real is we're going to be back next week with three brand new shows. We look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it.